Good day again and welcome back. We are continuing our series entitled From Ruin to Glory. In this series, we are studying two minor prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. Both of these prophets ministered at the same time. They were sent by God during the post-exilic period. Post-exilic meaning after the exile, when God's people were already back in the land of Judea. Because of opposition, the people of God stopped the work of rebuilding the temple. Eventually, the people's priorities shifted and they left the temple in ruins for about 16 years. And finally, God raised both Haggai and Zechariah to encourage and mobilize his people to finish what they have started, and that is to rebuild the temple. Haggai called for the people to rebuild God's temple and prioritize him, while Zechariah called for the people to restore their relationship with the Lord and have a spiritual renewal. Now, the book of Zechariah is the longest of the minor prophets. It has 14 chapters. It's the most quoted prophetic book in the New Testament, and which is next to Isaiah. It contains many prophecies about the coming Messiah. And Bible scholars consider Zechariah as the apocalypse of the Old Testament, meaning it is comparable to the New Testament's book of Revelation because it contains many prophetic visions and symbols. But most of all, Zechariah is a book of comfort and hope. Through Zechariah, God reminded his people that he wants to bless them. And our passage this morning is in Zechariah chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. To experience God's blessing, start right. And these are three important lessons that we can learn from Zechariah. First, start with a repentant heart. Second, study and learn from the past. And third, submit to God's enduring word. Let's unpack this together. And I invite you to open your Bibles with me and follow along. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. Like Haggai, this book's dating was during the time of King, ja of king Darius, a Gentile or a non-Jewish king. Zechariah started his ministry just two months after the prophet Haggai. Actually, Zechariah is not just a prophet, he's also a priestly, from a priestly line as recorded in Nehemiah chapter 12. And so Zechariah is both a prophet and a priest. Now, if you look at verse 1, you will see three Hebrew names here. And we all know that Hebrew names mean something. First is the name Zechariah. Next is the name Berechiah and the name Edo. The name of Zechariah means Yahweh or the Lord remembers. His father's name Berechiah, it means God blesses. And his grandfather's name is Edo, meaning at the appointed time. So imagine you're a Jew, and just from the reading of this introduction, you would feel encouraged already. And combining these three names, here is what you will read. The Lord remembers and blesses at his appointed time. The Lord remembers and blesses at his appointed time. And what a way to open the book of Zechariah, because the people at that time were so discouraged, and hearing this, is something very refreshing and reviving. Now recall that by this time, the people have just started rebuilding the temple. They were all fired up. And after Haggai preached and he reminded the people to put first things first, to make God their first priority, the people got excited again. Yes, we can do it. We are going to build this great temple for God. And they had a very promising start. But just after a month, what happened? We learned last week that the people started to get discouraged. They were so in despair because of many discouraging facts. And perhaps they were even tempted to quit again. Why? 
because they started comparing. The people said, this temple that we're building is nothing compared to the previous one. The people got discouraged because things didn't go as they expected. They were trying so hard, but they feel that like they weren't making any progress. They think that their best was not just good enough. And the work was so overwhelming for them. And so God called Haggai again to preach his second message to inspire them once again. And God knew that his people badly needed encouragement. And so after Haggai's second message to them, God already sent them another prophet through Zechariah. God knew that the people were discouraged, were depressed, and they were pessimistic. And so he sent them Zechariah to give his people a double dose of encouragement. Haggai got them started and Zechariah kept them going. And this is an amazing truth about our Lord that he is an encouraging God for all of us who are in despair. So let's continue. Verse 2. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of, thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And this is our first lesson. To experience God's blessing, start with a repentant heart. To experience God's blessing, start with a repentant heart. Notice the first line. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. In Hebrew, it's more emphatic. Angry was the Lord at your fathers with so much anger. Angry was the Lord with so much anger. At first reading, this would seem to be an odd way to start a book that is supposed to offer comfort and encouragement. Why begin with a negative tone? Why begin telling God's people that he was angry with their fathers? You see, throughout the book of Zechariah, this is God's constant message to them. God wants to bless you and he has so much in store for you and God is going to comfort you. But there's a significant prerequisite. There's an essential condition for all this blessing before this can happen. And that is what the first six verses of this book is all about. Zechariah tells his people, as they rebuild their lives, they need to start with the right foundation. As they rebuild their lives, they need to repent and to restore their relationship with God. In other words, Zechariah tells them that if you want to experience God's blessing, start with the right heart. Start with the right heart. And if you're going to turn your life from ruin to glory, then begin with a repentant heart. Why? Because God's blessing is conditional. Again, let me repeat that. Because God's blessing is conditional. This condition is what God's covenant relationship with His people is all about. Let's look at Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. In that, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgment, that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God and obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. 
In summary, God is telling His people, Obey the Lord and receive His blessing. Disobey God and experience curses. And this is a clear and reasonable condition stated in the covenant. And the same holds true for us today. When we return to the Lord, we'll have His blessing and experience glory. But if we refuse to listen, then we will suffer ruin. So don't ever think and have this false security, have this wrong thought that God will bless you regardless of your spiritual condition because He will not. As Proverbs tells us, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but He blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Let us remember, God's blessing is conditional. Now let's go back to verse 2. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me that I may return to you. See, these verses tell us this vital truth about repentance. That repentance to God, that returning to God is our responsibility. Returning to God is our responsibility. Because of their difficult circumstances, the Jews felt that God was far away. But in reality, God has always been faithful to them. Remember, God has blessed them in so many ways and God had fulfilled His promise to bring them back in the land. And so this verse reminds us that if we, are, if we feel that we are far from God, it's not because God distanced Himself from us, but it was us who left Him. There's a story about this old couple who were traveling in their truck. The truck has three seats in front. And while the husband was driving, the wife was looking at the other trucks passing by them. And she noticed that some have couples in the, uh, sitting up front. And, the woman's, and he, this old woman noticed that the woman sat close to the man as he drove. And so this elderly woman asked her husband, Why is it that these couples, they are, they are sitting together? And why is it that we don't sit that close anymore? But her husband just answered her, Well, it's not me who moved. Do you feel you're far away from God? Do you feel that God is so far and you are just all by yourself? If so, know that He is not the one who moved, but you did. Because God is a faithful God and He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. But we are like sheep that wanders away. And so most likely we are the ones who made that move. And because we are the ones who drifted away from Him, we are the ones also responsible to return to Him. The question is, will you return to God? As we have learned before, to return to God means to make a spiritual U-turn. It's the same meaning as repentance. But I like the word return. It reminds me that repentance is not just about letting go of sin but, or just doing what is right. But returning is at the heart of repentance. It's like coming home. And the heart of repentance is the fact that we are returning to the one who loves us most. We are returning to God, who is a faithful God, who loves us the most. And this return is a personal and an intimate return to that relationship. The year 2020 is almost over. And many of us are looking forward to the new year, 2021. We all want a fresh start. We want to experience God's blessing. And just as God calls His people in Zechariah's time, God also calls us today. Start with the right heart by repenting and returning to God. God is saying, I want to bless you. I want, to be, I want to, you to be in a place of blessing. But you have to be in that place of repentance before I bless you. So this is God's calls to us. Return to God so that He will return to us. 
during this Christmas break, I pray that you will take time to reflect on this past year and just think about the things that you need to do and in order to think about God's call to repent and to return to Him. And me and my wife, we will do this also during our year-end Thanksgiving as we have this reflection time a few days before Christmas. For all of us, think of these questions and answer honestly. In what ways have you drifted away from God? Second, is there a sin in your life that you need to repent from? Third, what things in your life have you prioritized more than God? Fourth, how can you start your way back to the Lord? And as we reflect, may God help us to return to Him. The next, to experience God's blessing, the second thing that we need to do is to study and learn from the past. Study and learn from the past. Verse 4, Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. As God called his people to return to him, he commanded them not to be like their forefathers. Why is that? And who are they? You see, your fathers here refers to the Israelites who lived before the exile happened. As God's chosen people, the Lord granted favor to their ancestors. They experienced blessings and prosperity. But despite this, their hearts turned away from God and they worshiped other gods and provoked the Lord to anger. God was a faithful husband to Israel, to his wife, but Israel committed spiritual adultery again and again. Israel's unfaithfulness deeply hurt God. But since God is a loving and compassionate God, He gave His people many, many chances. He sent prophets again and again and again to call them back to Him. Just listen to the words of these former prophets. Hosea, Return, O Israel, to, your, to the Lord God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Joel, Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Jeremiah, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord, I will not look upon you in, ang in anger. For I am gracious, declares the Lord, I will not be angry forever. And Ezekiel, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, each according to his conduct, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. And did you hear that? Like a chorus being sung, like a broken record, God again and again called out to his people, Repent, return to me. Repent and return to me. And it was the constant cry of the Old Testament prophets. And actually, if you, can, if you have the time, you can also look at the New Testament. And that is the same. God tells His people, return to me, repent, and return to me. God told His people, return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But did Israel pay attention? Sadly, no. Second Chronicles tells us, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by His messengers. Because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place, but they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people and there, there was no remedy. See, Israel just refused to listen to God. 
Now, some people would say that the God of the Old Testament is the God of wrath, while the God of the New Testament is the God of love. That is simply not true. Again and again, we can see here that God loves His people. We see God's love in the pages of the Old Testament. You see that God has always been faithful to His people, and He warned them over and over again not to violate their covenant, but Israel remained stubborn. The problem was not God did not speak to them, but if Israel refused to listen. And this is what Zechariah reminded them. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. The point is we need to study and learn from the past so that we will not repeat the same mistakes that the people of God committed. And listen to what God said to his people through Jeremiah. I spoke to you in prosperity, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your practice from your youth, that you have not obeyed my voice. You have forsaken me, declares the Lord. Keep going backward. And so I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am tired of relenting. I will winnow them with a winnowing fork, and the gates of the land will bereave them of their children. I will destroy my people. They did not repent of their ways. The wind will sweep them away. All your shepherds and all your lovers will go into captivity and you will surely be ashamed and humiliated because of your wickedness. And true enough, God fulfilled his word through the prophets and he judged the sins of his people. In 586 BC, God allowed the Babylonians to defeat Judah and conquer the city of Jerusalem. They burned down the city walls, they destroyed the temple, they captured the survivors and brought them into exile. And so during Zechariah's time, God tells his people, remember your fathers, recall what they did and how they paid for it. Remember and learn from their mistakes. And Zechariah didn't need to give them a lot of illustration to prove his point. All he had to do was to ask the people to look around them. And the rubble and the ruin and all around them was enough reminder for the people to see how God judged the sins of their fathers. Because they rejected God's warning, there came a day that they paid for it. They lost God's blessing and they suffered 70 years of captivity. At this point, the Jewish people in Zechariah's time were also in danger of following after the footsteps of their ancestors. Like their fathers, they're sinning against the Lord, although in a different way. They had become self-centered, they had become complacent and materialistic. Like their fathers, their hearts have drifted away and moved away from the Lord. Their own sins resulted in the delay of rebuilding the temple. And so Zechariah called for them to act differently or to suffer the same consequences. And unless they learn from the past and not commit the same sins, they won't receive God's blessing. Dear friends, Zechariah's message to his people, to God's people, is also the same with us today. Let us be careful and let this be a sobering reminder to all of us. While God is a gracious and forgiving and a merciful and loving God, remember the Lord is also a holy and a just God. Remember there is a time when the Lord will no longer permit the disobedience of these children. And don't forget that God has already given his warning through his word. The prophets have warned us. The apostles have warned us. Above all others, the Lord Jesus Christ had warned us. And today, His Holy Spirit warns us. But the question is, are we listening? Are we heeding these warnings? Let us not forget, if you refuse to repent, there will be consequences. 
If you refuse to return to the Lord, there will be judgment and discipline. And this truth is the principle of sowing and reaping. You will reap what you sow. Galatians 6 tells us, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest this everlasting life from the Spirit. Dear friends, think about your life. What kind of seeds are you planting today? Are you sowing seeds of selfishness, of anger, of envy or strife? Are you sowing seeds of immorality, sensuality, pleasure, and drunkenness? Or are you sowing seeds of love, of patience and kindness? Are you sowing seeds of gentleness, faithfulness, purity, and self-control? Whatever you are planting, you will eventually harvest. So let us be careful. Again, let us take sin seriously. Our God does not give empty threats. Let us not forget what happened to Israel. And let us learn from the lessons of the past so that we will not repeat the same mistakes. As the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, Now these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also crave. And as some of them were destroyed by the serpents and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example that they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. See, God has given us examples through the lives of Israel so that we will not commit the same sins, the same mistakes that they did, so that we, instead of us receiving God's curse and punishment, we will receive His blessing. Let us learn from the past. In October 1998, Nokia became the best-selling mobile phone brand in the world. Can you remember your favorite uh, um, Nokia phone? And in 2007, Nokia was the leading device manufacturer globally with a 40% market share. It's the highest, highest net sales reach, uh, around 51 billion euros in 2007. But here's something interesting. Only after six years, Nokia declined and was acquired by Microsoft in 2013. Today, Nokia's demise from being the world's best mobile phone company to losing it all has become a case study in the business management classes all over the world. And this is a sample case study that I found with the title, The Collapse of Nokia's Mobile Phone Business, Wisdom and Stupidity in Strategic Decision Making. And why do people study this? What happened to Nokia? It is because so that business leaders will not commit the same mistakes as they did. They, are, they want to learn from the past. And that is so true for us today. And it will be wise for us to do the same. Let us study and learn from the past. Remember what's at stake here is not just a company or a business, but what's at stake are much higher because it deals with our life, with our eternal future. Again, let us study and learn from the past so that we can experience God's blessing. And specifically, how we can apply this in our, in our lives? Let us remember our ancestors, both our biological parents and spiritual parents. First, let us honor them by remembering the good things that they have done, following their godly examples that they have modeled and remembering their good legacy. But at the same time, let us also study their lives and let us learn from their mistakes. Let us not repeat the same sins that they have committed and let God's word guide us and give us wisdom so that we'll discern what to follow and what to forsake. And so may God help us as we study and learn from the past. The last, if we want to experience God's blessing, submit to God's enduring word. 
Submit to God's enduring word. Verse 5 to 6. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, overtake your fathers? God is pointing a contrast here. Their rebellious fathers died and are gone. Even the righteous prophets whom God sent, they also died and are gone. They all pass on. And guess what? The Jewish people during the time of Zechariah will also die, but God's word will endure forever. Generations come and generations go, but the word of God will remain. And God tells his people that his word overtook their fathers. What does it mean? The word overtake is a very graphic word. It has an idea of a pursuer trying to capture someone fleeing or a hunter catching his game or a wild animal chasing its prey. God's words of judgment hunted the Jewish down until it caught them. The covenant curses stipulated in Deuteronomy 28 had overtaken Israel's ancestors who refused to obey God. And here God is reminding his people that it is futile to think that they can get away from his word. In reality, they will never get away with their sin. It's just a matter of time. And the same is true with us today. If we think we can get away, if we if we keep on sinning, if we think that we can get away from the Lord, we are just fooling ourselves. Remember, God is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, this name appeared four times in our passage. Twice in verse 3, once in verse 4, and once in verse 6. And actually, the post-exilic prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, and together they used this title of God, the Lord of hosts, over 80 times. And now the Lord of hosts means God of the armies of heaven or the Lord Almighty. The name is a military title. It emphasizes God's great power and authority as the commander of heaven's armies of angels. God presented himself as the Lord of hosts to encourage his people who feel weak and helpless and hopeless. The Lord holds a sword in his hand. And if you obey him, you're on his side. He will uphold you and defend you. If you obey the Lord and you are on his side, he will uphold and defend you. But here's another thing. Knowing that God is the Lord of hosts should also serve as a warning to us all, especially to the wicked, the proud, and those who are sinful. If you disobey him, he will give you a chance to return to him. But if you continue in your sins and if you refuse to listen to him, then he will use his sword against you. Just listen to what God said through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 21. I myself will war against you with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm, even in anger and wrath and in great indignation. Did you hear that? God said that he himself would wage war against you if you are disobedient. And who do you think would win? Again, think about your life. Is this is this what you want to happen in your life? That God will wage war against you? Instead of God defending you, the Lord himself with his heavenly armies will be fighting against you. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the world or are you going to follow the Lord? Friends, let us heed God's warning seriously. God sets before us a way of life and a way of death. And he sets before us the path of glory or the course of ruin. And so I encourage you today, choose life and walk in the path towards glory. Don't delay, but receive God's gracious invitation that tells you, return to me and I will return to you.
And the question is, will you listen and obey? Now let's go back to our text and see what the people's response was. Verse 6, Then they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts purposed to do to us in accordance with our ways and our deeds, so he has dealt with us. As the people realized what happened to their fathers, they repented. They confessed and humbled themselves before the Lord. They said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and our practices deserve, and so just as he determined to do. In other words, the people submitted themselves to God's word in humility. And this is the same desire that God has for us. Let us humble ourselves. Let us submit to God. Remember God's message to us. Submit to God's word while you still have a chance. Submit to God's word while you still have a chance. Let us return to the Lord before judgment comes while we still can. While you still can. Because God will only give us a small window of opportunity. Don't be spiritually timid. Don't ever say, I'll just enjoy the pleasures of this world. I'll deal with my sin later. Don't delay because if the Lord is calling you to return to Him now, do it now. Otherwise, it may be too late. Don't wait for God's word of discipline to overtake you. Don't wait until your life is in ruin, until your marriage or family is in ruin. Don't wait until your work or business or even your ministry to be ruined. Let us return to God. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said, John chapter 3 and chapter 12. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words, and the very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. So dear friends, let us listen to the Lord and let's submit promptly and humbly to God's word. Let us do this now. Return to God so that he would return to us. Christmas is just a few days away and it's a season of joy and celebration. It's a season of celebration for God's gift to us. But many are sad knowing that this year's Christmas will be different and many have good reasons to believe that. Many of us have been devastated by the various crises, the Al Volcano eruption, the Typhoon Ulysses, the recent earthquakes in other places in the country, and the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of us have experienced many losses. We suffered physically, we lost financially, we suffered emotionally and even relationally. And amidst these ruins, it's so easy to despair and to lose hope. But then let us not forget the real message of Christmas. And what is that? And this is the message of Christmas. The Lord remembers and blesses at His appointed time. The Lord remembers and blesses at His appointed time. You see, Zechariah prophesied that God would again comfort His people. God will send the Messiah, the King, who will fulfill their hope and restore them from their ruins. And God initially fulfilled this promise. 500 years after Zechariah, at His appointed time, God sent His Son. Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. And through Jesus' life, suffering, and through his death and resurrection, God fulfilled his purpose to redeem the world. And this salvation is not just for the people of Israel, but for everyone who trusts and obeys the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are in your life today or what struggles you are going through right now, but this is what I know. The greatest blessing that you can have this Christmas is the gift of forgiveness, the gift of comfort, 
and the gift of hope that God offers you through Jesus Christ. Especially in today's, in the midst of today's despair, in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of the ruins, God is offering you this comfort and hope that we can only find in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God already took the initiative and He already made that first move. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to us. Now the question is, will we heed His call? This is what the Lord says. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. But again, will we heed His call? Will you listen to His call? And for those of us who are already following the Lord Jesus Christ, Maybe you are at a point where you have drifted away from the Lord. Maybe you think that God could no longer accept you or forgive you. I encourage you, don't believe this lie. Remember, God is calling you back because He desires to love you and He desires to bless you. He desires you to listen to His word. Just listen to the prophet Jonah. Jonah 4, 2. You are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending calamity. Dear friends, God is giving us another chance to return to Him. What will be your response? Will you recommit your life to the Lord once more? Will you return to God and repent from your sins? Will you return to the Lord so that He may return to you? so that we can experience the blessing of His presence and enjoy the favor He has in store for us. May God help us. Today we have learned this vital lesson from the prophet Zechariah. To experience God's blessing, start right. Start with a repentant heart. Study and learn from the past and submit to God's enduring word. And more than hearing God's word, let us do our best with God's help to apply this in our lives. May God help us. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful message of Zechariah. Thank you, Lord, for your encouragement to your people that in the midst of their ruins, Lord God, that they can experience glory. Thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten your people, that you are the God who always remembers, that you are the God who desires to bless your people at your appointed time. Thank you so much for this assurance and this promise, Lord God. And this promise applies to us as well. Thank you, Lord, that you have not forgotten us. Lord, you know our condition. We are in the midst of ruins. We are in the midst of devastation. Many of us are confused. I pray that your word would encourage us to keep on going, to keep on trusting in you. Father, for those of us, Lord God, who have drifted away, I pray, Lord God, that you help us to... Think, be mindful of the sins that we have committed against you. Let your Holy Spirit convict us, O oh God, and help us, Lord God, to see the things we have failed to do. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Search our hearts, O oh God, and help us to know your truth and open our eyes, Lord God, to our sinful ways and help us to just come to you, Lord God, in humility and repentance. And Lord, we come before you. Help us, Lord God, to... Um, bow down to you, Lord God, and to receive your forgiveness that Jesus Christ our Lord offers, Lord God. Thank you so much that uh, through him we can stand before you holy and blameless through the forgiveness of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord God, for the many who are discouraged, Lord God, and who are feeling helpless. I pray, may you be the, may you be the God that 
would sustain them and uphold them, Lord God, with your righteous right hand. Help them, Lord God, to obey you and not be on the other side. And to may, may, have, may they have a clear understanding, Lord God, and may have this clear thought that you are always with them. But help them, Lord God, to, to return, Lord God, to respond to the first step that you have made, and that is to return to you. Father, for all of us, Lord God, as one church, help us, Lord God, to appreciate the gift of Christmas, to appreciate the message of your love, and not just to keep us to ourselves, but to also to share it to others. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we commit to you, Lord God, the rest of the year. We pray that you help us to finish strong and help us to remember, Lord God, that we can experience your blessing if we start right. And we look forward, Lord, for that next year, Lord God, just give us uh, new opportunities, new vision, renew, renewed encouragement, new strength, oh God, to move forward. And send us people, Lord God, who will help us along the way and together as one church. May we rise up, Lord God, from ruin to glory. Thank you, Father. And we commit to you this day and all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.